I think it's a very, very exciting time to be doing data visualization in India. Welcome to a new episode of Data Stories. My name is Moritz Stefan and I'm an independent designer of data visualizations. I am Enrico Bertini. I am an assistant professor at NYU in New York and I do research in data visualization as well. Yeah, and on this podcast together we talk about data visualization as you have heard, but also data analysis, statistics and generally the role data plays in our lives. Yeah, and uh, so this is a special episode. It's the episode on the end of the year. And um, yeah, I think as we did last year, we decided to uh, try again to go around the world. And uh, it's been very exciting last year. And I'm sure it's going to be very exciting this year as well. Uh, we thought that it would be nice to just uh, give more of an impression of what is happening in other countries, since we tend to be focused mostly on always the usual places. And uh, it turns <laughs> exactly. out that there are things that are happening around the world, and that's that's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have a bunch of guests uh, later on, short interviews with a bunch of guests. And yeah, we hope uh, you'll enjoy those. But uh Maybe let's do first chat a bit how the year was for us. How was your year, Enrico? It was very interesting. Lots of things happening as usual. Very exciting. If I had to say one thing, I think it's been more reflective than usual. I think we had for a number of years visualization, this new flashy thing uh -huh. and trying to come up with new things all the time, exciting stuff. And now it's like, it looks to me that we are, at least personally, for sure, I'm, I'm much more reflective trying to think about what works, what doesn't work, does it make sense, what are the consequences of the kind of like going a little bit past beyond the excitement mm -hmm. and Doing uh, a bit more yeah, meta, a meta reflections maybe, huh? Meta reflection and I don't know, personally I've been thinking about the, the fact that Lots of lots of things can be solved with very simple solutions. <laughs> We don't have to always go like super flashy yeah. or uh, yeah, things like this. I've uh, I've been personally reflecting a Sometimes lot. Sometimes a tech cloud is just fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? Uh, we're getting old, man. We're As, getting old. <laughs> or maybe we're just. I think we we had also personal personal discussions right yeah. after recording a show, saying ah yeah, it looks like yeah. Actually, even simple things worked really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I don't know. It's true. No, for me, it was a bit of a slower year as well. So I turned 40 at the beginning of the year. And oh, at yeah. first I thought it doesn't impact me at all. But now in hindsight, I say, yeah, I, I did get a bit older. <laughs> so I had a bit of a slower pace, really. But I mean, that was good, too. So the years before, I always had lots of projects, lots of travels, lots of, yeah, like going to the US and doing all this crazy stuff. And this year was much calmer, much more German clients. So I'm really excited to work on a, a really applied project for the German railway, super like Hardcore yeah. data tool, and it's a German client. That's like the German railway is very German, and I, I really enjoy that. So yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I had two more German clients, so it was like suddenly to me very local in a way, which was great. And so I, I got to spend more time at home, and, and I was also I think more reflective. I think it was a strange year. I think it started off 
a bit negative. Like there was always this looming crisis of everything. I think there was a big crisis of, of statistics and of <laughs> polling, kind you of know, there, with Brexit kind of, yeah, and the whole Trump yeah. debacle, all yeah. these discussions about post-facts, post-truth. I think everybody was a bit down. Yeah. And there was yeah. also maybe a commercial crisis, or maybe it was just perception, but a couple of shops uh, closed down. We also had an episode with Elijah Meeks, who, who was very like critical yeah. of the whole industry situation. Crisis. Yeah, so <laughs> beginning of the year, I think, was very bleak. Yeah. Right? And so everybody got, I yeah, think, in a more yeah, yeah, reflective yeah. mood, maybe there. Yeah, I think in a way the show also reflects some of that, right? And we had, uh, what did we have? We have the calling bullshit yeah, thing exactly. with Carl and Jevin, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think also the episode with, uh, with Alberto Cairo, it was mm. a little bit on this direction, mm-hmm. right? With this Trump everything, uncertainty, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's yeah. really, <laughs> yeah. the world itself, uncertainty carries some, some some semantics, it's true, right? It's true. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. But I think yeah. we are now in the second half. Everybody dug themselves out a bit, and and now everybody's <laughs> reemerging <laughs> stronger. That's that's my feeling, at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's definitely true for myself. Yeah. I kind of like started dark and slow, and now <laughs> now I'm back. It's like, oh yeah, but this thing I still like it a lot, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to go back to. Kicking ass, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope it's gonna last, but that's certainly my my personal feeling. Mm-hmm. What do you think of? Uh, did you have a favorite episode? Or yeah, you shouldn't ask that, right? It's like, yes, what's your favorite I kid? Do. What's your I, favorite kid? Should I say that? <laughs> yeah. Should I say yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, if you have, we one, almost never do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, I do have one. I do have one. Okay. <laughs> I think it's the same as yours. <laughs> Who knows? Let me know. Yeah, yeah. my favorite, <laughs> my favorite one was with Scott McCloud and understanding yeah, comics. Probably. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, I was not there. So yeah. may- maybe the best episodes are those without <laughs> me. <laughs> Imagine how awesome it would have been if you had been there. It would have been too much, I think. So uh, I'm glad. Yeah. No, it was. It, it blew my mind, and I think I, I like maybe in a way. Luckily, I was not there because I could listen it as a right. I yeah. was not um, influenced by having recorded it I was blown away I think Scott is just yeah. it was amazing yeah. just yeah. Yeah. So, was so like many seeing a sentence like whoa yeah. <laughs> yes. exactly like the thought density like of interesting thoughts per yeah. minute was like like <laughs> yeah. through the roof through the roof yeah. through the roof no yeah. but I, yeah. I am really happy with the like the the coverage of different topics we had at different perspectives this year and um We had lots of great guests, like, you know, Nikki Case was fantastic. We had uh, Nadi Bremen and Shirley. I think that was also this year, right? Yeah. Then I really enjoyed uh, the conversation with Adrian Siegel on the data sculptures. Catherine Dignazio was was amazing. And we had lots of great yeah, feedback for that. Away. Yeah, yeah, so good. And yeah. all, I think yeah. all the episodes had had some, some interesting aspects. So, yeah, nice yeah. one. Yeah, I think it was it was pretty well balanced. We had a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. maybe even more than usual. We had some data journalism. We had pr- probably maybe more people from industry, which I really, really like. I think there is a lot going on in industry and doesn't, it tends to be less visible than the rest. So I'm really happy that we've been covering some things happening in industry, right? So we had Elijah. Then we had, uh, what, uh, Kim and Steph from Capital mm-hmm. One. That's true. 
Uh, we Chris had Chris from, from Twitter. Twitter. So I think it's really important to see, get a glimpse of what is happening behind the curtains of private companies, yeah. right? Because we know that, that important things are happening there, but we just don't see them most of the time. Right, so right. I think that's, that's important. Yeah. 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 yeah it was an interesting year and, Every year is so new in our field. Whenever I look back at the end of the year, I'm like, oh, Jesus, a lot, of, a lot has happened. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm really curious yeah. to hear from our international guests now, uh, who oh, yeah, we found absolutely. all around the world. We have a great selection again. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And we'll begin our journey actually in Beijing. So stay tuned for the first interview. So, and from Beijing, we have uh, today on the show, Spei Chan. Hi, Spei. Hello. It's good, to, it's good to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So, can you tell us a bit, who are you, where are you located, and what are you doing? What are you working on? Uh, I'm a data journalist based in Beijing, and I work mm -hmm. in the hybrid data company. And we, um, for, for my job, I cover with um, data with reporters and editors in newsroom in China, and together we build um, data-driven journalism project and there's investigation together. Mm -hmm. And what would you say, so our perspective on data visualization is very like Euro and US-centric. What would you say, how is the data visualization scene, if you can describe it a bit, or maybe even compare it in Beijing or in, in China in, in general? Mm -hmm. what, what what would you say, how does it look yeah, like? Yeah, I would say the data visualization scene in Beijing is very vibrant. And because like we have more more people from not like technical background are getting more interested in learning data and data uh, analytics skills and also data visualization skills. Mm -hmm. And like we run a few um, public training programs to um, media media students and also um, people from newsroom or general public. And the other thing is like um, Beijing is not only the capital of China but also. Um, also, I will say that it's also a capital of internet company, uh, internet companies mm -hmm. in China. So you have like um, many uh, internet companies headquarters located in China, and they are like con continuously getting, continuously trying to hire more and more data data people into their own team. So like mm -hmm. um, the job opportunities are quite large here. Basically, if you are data people in Beijing, you couldn't be jobless. Like they're mm -hmm. either trying to build their own in-house data visualization team to help their business um, intelligence team, or they are trying to outsource um, data data project to um, those companies like us and to getting get some insights from their data they owned and try to mm -hmm. make cool data visualization to communicate their insights to um, their either people within their company or the general public. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's there's uh, a lot to do in industry, yeah, <laughs> as I hear, that, yeah. which is great. Is there Are there also like a lot of freelance, let's say, designers or a lot of data journalists, uh, maybe even data artists? Uh, how, how does it look outside the big industries? Yeah, um, we have some people from like more like data artists and try to combine um, a friend of mine and he's trying to use his own data visualization skill and also like cooperate with um, some like 
one pianist, and they, I think they recently have a show um, in, in September this year. And they're trying to like live coding and generate the graphics mm-hmm. in real in real time, mm-hmm. and also like have like live music played at the same time. So, like try yeah. to like cross <laughs> the amazing. boundary and try different new things year two. Uh-huh. Cool, cool, and. Yeah, I I think we could do a whole episode probably on like the Beijing data visualization scene. I'd I'd love to learn more there. Uh, like it's also a year review uh, episode. What in your view were the maybe the main the big developments? Um, the the more recent ones this year. What what was new um, in, in Beijing or in China? And maybe also like globally, like from your perspective, what stood out to you in in data visualization in general this mm-hmm. year? One thing I'm really I'm really excited about is like um, a release of a open source data visualization library called G2, mm-hmm. and this is a, a library released by Ant Financial in China. It's a sub company of Alibaba, and they have a full time staff mm-hmm. to build a. Um, it's somewhat like equivalent of a D3, even though I haven't given it a try, mm-hmm. but. Friends of mine, um, data visualization specialists, are very like very excited about it because like all of the team have like good documentations and also like good mm-hmm. examples, very cool library, very cool galleries. So and mm-hmm. and especially like they are Chinese friendly, like they have they grow the community. Um, basically, um, it's mostly most of the documentation in Chinese, and they have like channel to, to talk about so i think g2 will be one thing to um take a look if you are interested in mm-hmm. libraries other than d3 and mm-hmm. this is a um the development side and one project uh, one news new data visualization slash news project i'm really um really like i'm in love with this year it's it's from mm-hmm. the paper in china and it's mm-hmm. they did a really big year-long um, investigation on the on the on the Hu line, Huanyong line in China. Huanyong line is a imaginary line from um, very uh, northeast of China to very southwest mm-hmm. of China, and this is a great divide of um, in terms of economy and also geography and also um, politically. And they try to like walk people through the line. You see the maps and also um, visualization and great reporting. If that is the one thing you need to check it out, I would recommend people to check it out, even though that's in Chinese only. But like, it's really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And which newspaper did it? Uh, the paper. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll put a link for sure yeah, in the show yeah. notes. It sounds like a, a great uh, investigative project. And uh, coming back to the database library, I found that super interesting. And you said it's Chinese friendly. What, what does that um, entail or what makes a library Chinese friendly? Is it about the documentation or is it also about other like actual features of the chart um, that make it harder um, to use maybe libraries from the US and easier to use mm-hmm. uh, G2 for you? I think because personally, I haven't get to try, but like I mean, mm-hmm. see people like make something out of it, and the the reason why they say it's Chinese friendly, I think, is because the documentation is 
old, old in Chinese. Like they have like Chinese mm-hmm. translated to English, and English version is simpler. And for um, most of the, I think for more, um, most of the developer I know, they are more comfortable working in Chinese than English. Though they are like um, coding in English for sure, but like this mm-hmm. language barrier, they really lower it down. Like by mm-hmm. creating the yeah. whole Chinese documentation and all the team mm-hmm. that you can just like hook up and ask them questions in Chinese. So I think exactly, yeah, yeah. I think people it will, can make a huge difference. Yeah. I can I can totally imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 really glad this is happening, and of course it would be great to also see more exchange uh, in both directions. So I'll definitely check out this this library. It sounds good. Um, from your personal projects, like the things you have been working on, what what were you excited about uh, this year? This year, I, I mm-hmm. my colleagues and I will work on the um, real estate project in based in Beijing, because like in Beijing, mm-hmm. there's a thing called school district house. Like um, the house, the house is near like um, elite schools, elite elementary school. The prices sort of mm-hmm. soaring in like the past five years. And so we mm-hmm. make a uh, we make a project out of it. We partner with Tencent. And one thing that really interests me is like we make a sort of like a scrolly a scrolly telling piece. Like you can scroll through different layers of Beijing, and mm-hmm. one layer is tell you where the um, where the good schools, like where the elite schools are, and one layer mm-hmm. tell you tell you about the price around it. And one there told you the the trend of the price, whether it's increase or decrease or not, and mm-hmm. and also another swiper you can compare um, two neighborhoods that is um, belong to two different two different school. One is an elite school, and the other is one. The other one is like a a normal school, and the price difference is quite huge. So mm-hmm. I think that is a project I'm I'm very proud of this year. Sounds great. Um, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes as well. And uh, we have to close soon. <laughs> we have a lot of guests from all around yeah, the world. Yeah. But one one last question. Uh, what are you hoping for? Like in the new future, what types of developments would you like to see? What types of projects? Uh, you can make a wish. Yeah, <laughs> I want to make a wish right now. <laughs> yes. As a, I think as a journalist, I'm particularly excited about next year. Because like... Um, because like the Chinese government here um, in this 19th Congress party, the President Xi, he mentioned like big data in, in his speech and the local government will feel the pressure to release more like um, more data. Like normally it takes months of negotiation to like <laughs> to, to make them just release very simple basic facts about the city. But right now probably they'll feel um, a little bit of pressure to release it or something, but the, some of the city are really doing a good job this year, like like Shanghai and also Hangzhou. But I would love to see more in the in next year. So you can, as a data person, you can have something to play with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wonderful. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping for more open data too. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining yeah, us. Uh, for I'm really curious to m- learn much more about uh, the Chinese scene. And thanks for giving us a, a little start there. Thank you, dear. Thanks, Bye-bye. 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 
And from the Philippines, we have Pia Faustino on the show. Hi, Pia. Hi. Great to have you on. So can you tell us a bit, uh, who are you, where are you located and what are you doing? Yeah, well, well first, thanks for having me on the show. Um, so my name is Pia Faustino. I'm a manager for data storytelling at Thinking Machines. Mm -hmm. We're a data science consultancy based here in Manila, Philippines. And basically what we do is we work with organizations to, you know, transform the way that they work with data to help them um, unlock value from data for solving whatever business problems they have. And mm -hmm. actually data visualization is like one of the key uh differentiators for our organization. It's one of the um, aspects of our service that we really take pride in. Like I myself, I have actually a background in journalism. I worked in television for about nine years um, mm -hmm. before coming to data, data science. Um, and so we, we really try to make data usable and actionable for people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're really specialized on, on doing data visualization. How many people are you like uh, currently? We're about 15, 16 mm -hmm. in our organization yeah, right now. That's sizable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, what would you say, how is the data visualization scene uh, in the Philippines in general? Like, can you give us like a, a rough overview, which, which types of yeah, types of data visualization are currently very popular or which types of fields are most active? Sure. Okay, so the data visualization scene in the Philippines is pretty young, but it's growing and, and interest is growing really fast and all the time. I guess mm -hmm. some of the highlights of uh, what's most exciting about the data, uh, data visualization scene here are, um, number one, there's like this uh, huge interest in geospatial data in mapping. Um, so just to bring up one of our colleagues, uh, David Garcia, for example, is a consultant with our company and he makes some amazing maps. Uh, if you go to mapmakerdavid.com, uh, he, mm -hmm. he produces maps of the Philippines um, that highlight different aspects of, uh, of our terrain. Like for example, typhoon tracks, um, night lights. And these are ways, mm -hmm. these are things that people haven't really seen before in our country. So that's super interesting. Um, there's a lot of citizen bloggers who are doing one-off data stories as well. Uh, people mm -hmm. like uh, uh, TJ Palanca, um, Jumbo Dumbo Thoughts. And of course, there's local media who's um, taking a real keen interest in doing more data journalism. Um, so our organization actually gets asked often to do trainings in data exploration and data visualization for local media companies like um, Rappler, which is a local online news website here. The Philippine Center for Investigative Journalism has, they've invested in building a huge data warehouse just to house um, digitized copies of public documents. Um, so there's a lot going on. Um, but I think what's really interesting about the scene here is how the role that data visualization is playing in like sparking interest in digitization. So here in the Philippines, it's a bit, we have a different set of problems when it comes to data. One of our biggest problems is that sometimes the data is not there. Actually, oftentimes mm -hmm. the data is not there. <laughs> it's yeah. not digital. It's on paper records. It's locked up in people's Excel files. Actually, we're pretty happy even if it's in an, in an Excel file already. Oftentimes it's not even in an Excel file. So mm -hmm. data visualization is really what's getting people interested in, hey, that's how um, I want my data to look like that. I want to be able to interact with my data in that way. How do I do it? Oh, I have to first start putting things online or putting things on a computer. So um, I think that's the, the unique role that DataViz is playing in our um, in the Philippines. Um, mm. 
like for us, uh, thinking which is like some of the highlights from our year, um, we've been, uh, our, our CEO um, was one of the jury panelists on the Data Journalism Awards. Um, so this year she'll mm-hmm. be doing that for the second time in a row. And yeah, we also have a couple of our own projects. But before I go into those, you might, I don't know if I was able to answer everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We we actually wanted to 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 delve into some of the major developments or projects for for this year. Um, so, what were the major developments? Maybe in your city or country, or even globally, if you want to mention anything at the at the global level. Okay. So, yeah, in the Philippines, um, I think one of the major developments in um, in data science and data visualization here in the Philippines is um, one of the most uh, prestigious business schools, the Asian Institute of Management, um, and also the Ateneo uh, University. They just recently launched um, the first master's programs in data science here in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows that there's this, businesses are recognizing that there's this huge need to build talent here in the country uh, to train mm-hmm. people on yeah. what to do with data and uh, how to tackle it. And um, I, I, from what I've heard, like companies are basically lining up to send people to these programs and businesses are also lining up to hire people from these programs. So one, the recognition that this is a valuable skill that not just working with data is a, is a, not just working with data, but being able to communicate it properly is a really valuable skill. So that's, I think, one major development locally for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess this is happening a little bit everywhere. It's really interesting. One should actually map all the new... Uh, data science programs <laughs> happening in the world, mm. right? And see how it's spread. Oh, really? It's a worldwide <laughs> it's, uh, trend? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I Well, I think so, yeah. I hear similar things a little bit everywhere. So that's... I still have to understand if it's a good or bad thing, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we will mm-hmm. see. <laughs> um, yeah, so you wanted to mention other projects? Well, yeah, though. So just also from our perspective, so um, our company, this is our second year of operation. So we're also a pretty young company uh, in the same way that the data science scene in general is pretty young. And for the past year, like as opposed to our first year of operation. So in our first year of operation, we were spending a lot of our own, of our, a lot of our time um, producing data visualizations for fun. Oftentimes, data mm-hmm. that end up on our blog, just about topics that we're interested in, like mm-hmm. Philippine languages, mm. um, marriage statistics, uh, traffic, uh, road safety, just public data that we're interested yeah. in. And so the first year, we got to do a lot of that. And then the second year, this past year, has been all about basically... Uh, doing stories for other people because we got like a huge amount of interest mm. in um, from companies that wanted to do us to do the same for them. Um, so I really wish I had more time actually to do blogs. Like the past year, we've been building a lot of dashboards <laughs> for a lot of different organizations. Um, most excitingly, yeah. some a lot of our first clients were nonprofits, um, uh, organizations mm. like Save the Children, um, Teach for All, which is an education organization who wanted to uh, use dashboards to better target their programs or to mm-hmm. uh, better monitor how effective they are uh, at their goals. And that was really exciting. Very nice. Great. So, that sounds good. I also looked at your blog and I, I can only recommend to read the articles there. I think it gives a great overview of of your work and also of uh, some yeah local topics. So that's really cool. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. Are there any like global developments, like you're looking from your side of the globe, um, that you, that stood out to you uh, the most this year? Global developments. So, well, if I could just 
talk again about that point about um, how I think data viz is sparking an interest into digitization. So for us as, yeah. as the Philippines, you know, a country that's, we're still developing, um, we're still gathering data, we're still trying to make use of it. Um, we're still also, I think a lot of organizations here are still grappling with trying to understand the value of data and mm. data viz is so helpful in that um, because once there once organizations are able to see you know the the insights that can come out of data when they can see it literally for the first time um, that just drives an interest in evidence-based decision making which I think is so important um, mm -hmm. for countries like us where mm. you know you have people who are, who are really powerful making decisions that will affect people's uh, affect our development for the coming years and mm -hmm. you want them to make smart decisions right um, so <laughs> yeah. uh, it's super important that they understand you know data literacy is being built um, in this mm -hmm. part of the world uh, and I think that's really important yeah it's great to hear yeah. So just we'll have to wrap up, unfortunately, but just as a final question, what are you hoping for? Are, are there any wishes you would like to bring into the next year? What types of things would you like to see? <laughs> okay. Actually, the next year, one of the things that we're really most excited about, we um, just in the past month, uh, we... Uh, have finalized launching a project with a, one of our uh, with a government agency here in the Philippines that's interested in um, launching open data about poverty mm -hmm. indicators across the Philippines on mm -hmm. everything from mm -hmm. education, health, um, sanitation. Um, so they want to make this data open and available to uh, to everyone in the country. And this is going to mm -hmm. be data on forty two thousand villages in the Philippines. And oh, wow. for the first time, it's wow. going to be made accessible to everyone. And what's really exciting is that these guys. Like they, the, this government agency, they wanted to make the data accessible in a visual format that mm -hmm. would be understandable and interpretable, interpretable to everybody. So we're super Great. excited about yeah. that. We're excited about more, um, more organizations uh, like that, uh, understanding the value of sending their data out into the world and using visualization to make that happen. Cool. That sounds good. I can, I can join that wish. <laughs> so, <laughs> Me too. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so thanks so much uh, for joining us. We'll put a few links to the things you mentioned in the show notes so uh, our yeah. listeners can follow up. And yeah, we are really curious to see how 2018 develops on, on that side of the globe. I certainly uh, have, have more awareness now. So thanks for giving us a little crash course there. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you, Pia. Okay. Bye. Bye. And we have Pnar Dog from Istanbul in Turkey. Hi, Pnar. How are you? Hi. Good. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. So can you start by telling us a little bit about you? What's your background? Um what's your, uh, what you're doing and, um, yeah. And then we'll move on to other questions later on. Sure. Uh, sure. My name is Pnar. I do live in Istanbul and Turkey. Uh, I'm a data journalism lecturer. Uh, I work at uh, Kader Has University in new media department since 2014 in Istanbul. Uh, so, mm -hmm. um, I also co-founders of data journalism news portal called Da Media and the data journalism platform, open data and data journalism association in Turkey. So um, I actually work on data journalism uh, and I, I teach how to collect data, how to clean the data, visualize and analyze and making them for ready for storytelling. So this is what I am doing in Istanbul. And uh, so this is it. Yeah. 
So can you give us a little bit of an um, overview of what is happening in Istanbul or in Turkey in general? So what's the data visualization scene over there? Okay, sure. Um, maybe I can go a little bit back. Like data visualization is not uh, new to the Turkish media as well. Maybe you can guess, but when we go back 100 years in uh, archives or records, it's also possible to see like handmade data visualization in 90s or maybe earlier periods of media. But we can say this for Turkey, uh, for data visualization in Turkey is now still new, uh, especially for uh, if I compare with Western media and American media or Asian media as well. But on the other hand, the interactive works still new. And I can say that it is developing in Turkey, especially the most common data visualizations are like kind of timelines, interactive maps, line, bar charts. So this is all really you can see on mainstream media uh, in Turkey as well and widely used open source data viz tools such as Google Fusion Tables, Data Wrapper, Car2DP, Google Maps, Arches. So we are really using data visualization, but it's not really comparing with other uh, countries. Mm -hmm. So I can also say there are journalists who want to really occur and implement these skills. But newsrooms uh, need to devote more time to develop it more effectively. So we have kind of problems with the newsrooms and also time and also technical backgrounds. And this is all standing from Turkish media, actually. However, I mean, I can really, as a person, I'm in data journalism since 2014. So in my opinion, in two, three years, I can say that the effort to visualization So visualize and use the data in Turkey has improved a bit more than in previous periods, actually. So this is especially the case through online news sites, large media outlines that I, I follow. So as you can imagine, journalists still don't have enough time or skills to use this impressive technology. So, um, so we use data visualization techniques and methods. Uh, and uh, apart from newsrooms also, there are platforms, they work, they prepare infographics and they try to help the people who want to use these techniques and methods. But if I sum, I can say Turkey, especially Istanbul-based people, I can uh, calculate, maybe I can count myself as well. Uh, we are really busy to explain these new methods and visualizations, uh, the, how these new methods can can be done and how the data will be structured and presented, uh, especially mm -hmm. in journalism and new media. So generally, we really love to do a sophisticated visualization for our newsrooms in Turkey, but there are still too many things to be done, like open data ecosystem, new tools, Turkish content. So this is, I can say, generally what's happening here in, around Turkey in Istanbul. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you give yeah. us a few examples, like what, what, looking back over the last year, maybe what were the like major developments or any standout projects uh, from your perspective? Be sure. like things you have worked on, or what was notable in Istanbul or, or Turkey as a whole, maybe even globally. Like what stood out to you? Um, I think is uh, I, I can the notable developments in data viz in Turkey 2017. I can say um, there is a, a association called Open Data and Data Journalism that they created op a massive open online course about data literacy and open data training. And so this is the really one of the really important developments for for who want to uh, understand data visualization. So um, this is a 
it's created last year. However, it opened again for public this year for in August. So this mm-hmm. is the first massive open online course in Turkey about data literacy. It's all Turkish with uh, with the local examples because sometimes when you you can take nice. the, uh, you know data visualizations, but sometimes if it's not your own languages, it's really difficult for for people who really mm. like to understand. So this is really uh, the first uh, MOOC massive open online course for everyone in Turkish, and also it's the lo- with all local examples. In this context, it has prepared a data visualization training module and we're given certificates for successful part for uh, successful participants Uh, so this was really one of the really I think is uh, 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 notable developments for Turkey mm-hmm. in, in general. Uh, apart from this some internet sites started to organize special trainings and they do some visualization projects and I also created two a project about uh, open data uh, uh, the open database about uh, workers and it was about um, showing how workers condition in turkey it was like uh, 10 mm-hmm. years um, uh, data sets i collected from different sources from government foi and also i scrape so it, this was one of the project i created and it was a finalist and of the uh, during the past years And the other things I can share actually, um, also the importance of data access for data visualization is uh, it's important. First time this year, uh, some people from the uh, from the um, let's say institutions and formal uh, formal co- uh, departments they started to talk about the data visualization, not only for news, not uh, not only for media or for academia, also for municipalities or for public uh, access so and um, this was really very notable because we first time heard some things from the departments of um, justice or department or uh, health and they just start to talk about how they can really show the data or create a dashboard showing their data with the different forms uh, I can say that apart from this maybe I can also say I involve Eight, more than 18 events last this year well it's both data journalism and visualization in Turkey so we're really fighting here a lot try to make data culture but even we don't have enough uh, structured data so we create a lot of um, I mean generally in Turkey people meet together with the colleagues we really work hard to make some developments, major developments for countries every year. But there are problems, so like no open data license and not enough data provided like open, like CSV files or Excel files, always PDFs. But this is uh, challenges, but there are also good improvement, like I said, MOOCs. So massive open, open online course was one of the good specific developments, uh, I could say. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, apart from this uh, MOOC, uh, we did at least 18 uh, uh, events uh, this year. So together with data journalism and also visualization, it was like some part of like we, we did talk about data visualization and also open data, data journalism system. So um, this year was actually when I compare with 2016 or 2015, uh, in locally actually, people want to know more about techniques 
analyzing data, visualizations, open sources. So it was really very notable uh, year for visualization and data journalism, I can say. Mm -hmm. yep. Were there any specific projects that stood out? Anything from major newspapers or uh, also corporate uh, projects? Yes, there are, uh, I did one project I, I already shared. It was about the condition of workers mm -hmm. and we created about uh, 10 years data sets from different data sources from FOIA for the information and we also scraped data from different portals. It was really huge uh, uh, project, but it took too, too many times and too many months. So, but it was really good to see how uh, workers is dying and After that, lots of newsrooms start to use these data sets and data and visualization to, uh, as well and the codes. But the other things, uh, it, I don't know how you follow, uh, if you follow the Turkish media, but last two years we had lots of attacks and bombs, you know, mm. this kind of yeah. terrorist attacks a lot. Mm. So during that time, newsrooms, they really start a lot of uh, timelines and charts, mm -hmm. really mm. very uh, interactive uh, uh, Maps and uh, I can say who read that this is the one of the really main journalism and news media actually. Uh, mm -hmm. They just really start to use lots of techniques, timelines, maps, or sometimes they use a lot of infographics also sure. uh, online and also um, print as well. So, uh, as a person who involved this world a lot in Turkey, I see really little improvement in, in normal new media and also. Uh, big news organization they start to use uh, mm -hmm. these uh, techniques more than ever mm -hmm. that's great yeah. like from your perspective were there any global developments like I don't know how much you follow the international database uh, scene uh, any global things that stood out to you that you found uh, interesting this year well <laughs> Well, I will feel a little bit really embarrassing because you guys are amazing. So I don't know if I, if my opinion will be really very great, but, uh, so because you are really doing fascinating works, but uh, yes, I do following globally, um, some things as well, especially since I apply a lot of data journalism awards, uh, projects. Um, I can say, at uh, first I can talk about how data journalism awards is changing uh, year by year mm -hmm. when you check like small mm. news for data visualization, um, Um, big newsrooms for data visualization catalogs, actually, categories, actually. Mm -hmm. So I I can say, um, I actually, in this year, 2015 applicants were, imp uh, I think, is really impressed uh, with impressive data visualization from many different countries. So I remember uh, the Gene, you know, the Global Editor Networks mm -hmm. page. They they mentioned this year actually. They said, "Well, the bigger, better, and bolder uh, <laughs> than ever." So they really, I, I I personally really, in my opinion, I see like really very interesting and intense data visualization project they start to make, especially uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, BuzzFeed's works. Mm -hmm. They were really great. Even if, for me, uh, it was really difficult to understand sometimes, so you really needed to really uh, understand and get some background. But I think globally, uh, when I compare with the uh, last years, I see there are lots of new projects, uh, the special data visualization project from different countries this year on uh, GIN, uh, Data Journalism Awards. Mm -hmm. So it's globally really rising this. Other thing I can say maybe about a little bit tools. Uh, globally, I just figure out the Python um, people and journalists, they start to use Python 
for visualization and data uh, data analyze a lot. So this is really one of the maybe I can say awareness uh, what's generally. This is in my opinion actually, but I can also say for uh, R. So I, I'm learning R since two years now, but sure. I can also say like globally I can also say people start to use R for data journalism and data visualization. I know you're already involved with this world, but for Turkey especially for us is something very very new. But globally I think people also Uh, start to learn and try, try to understand how to use R for data visualization. Mm, mm, yeah. uh, this is, I can say, actually. One more thing, maybe because it's my opinion, <laughs> I was in a global, <laughs> I was in, a, I was a speaker at a Global Investigative Journalism Conference last November in Johannesburg. I had like five sessions and I did talk also about data Uh, driven stories in my country and generally but my observation that time I saw that people they paid more attention to data visualization sessions and so uh, I see lots, lots of people really paying attention they attended courses and they want to understand the techniques so this is also really something I can say um Uh, good, actually, mm -hmm. uh, globally, That's globally yeah. as well. <laughs> Finally, yeah. some good global yeah. news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah this is, <laughs> well, really, lots of you know, one thousand people attend this conference, and we were like three hundred huh. uh, speakers. So we had like twenty sessions at the same day. Mm. So lots of people were fully in our sessions. Not only mine, but other professors and trainers' uh, sessions. Uh, so they were really paid attention about the data visualization a lot, mm -hmm. but I can yeah. share also with you their feedbacks because they're going to share with us what is the feedbacks, which sessions were more intense. It was really amazing. And you see how people work with uh, their project and how they find a solution locally. So it's really amazing, uh, I can say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, maybe I can share with you uh, what I hope for next year and uh, for next year and which types of projects uh, I'm hoping to see more. So I hope that more projects will be produced in terms of the division here in Turkey. People really paying attention to learn and understand the techniques, but they need really people teaching them uh, the new techniques. And also I can say, um, I hope not only for global, but also for Turkey, more development of open data consciousness. This is also important for Turkey. So um, if I go a little bit local, so I, I know a little fun, but <laughs> so I try to do my best. So I hope that, um, I hope next year I can see more um, data visualizations project. This is what I hope. And I really want to be involved some cooperate, like no cross-border project, what I want to see. So we work hard for better data culture here. I think it's, it's the same with uh, globally as well. So I hope not only for global, but also for Turkey, more development of open data consciousness uh, for good data visualization. It will be really great. And I, it is also important to create a little more budget because especially maybe, I don't know how is the condition in Europe and America, but for Turkey, really, it's not easy to work like six hours, six months mm -hmm. on a sim sim single mm -hmm. project sometimes. So you need yeah. the budgets or support, technical backgrounds, and you need different people to help you. So I hope we can get some budget for newsrooms or individual for individual projects. Uh, I hope that it will be a year of support for data visualization events for globally and Turkey as well. 
So the project I would like to see that have more interactive and high public interest. Because here with Turkey, we do like very financial visualization, static visualization, but nothing to do with the crimes, hate crimes or animals abuse or women abuse. So I re- we really need more story, mm-hmm. data-driven story. This is what, what I hope. So there is no data problem here in Turkey. <laughs> really, we produce data. We have, ta- we have time and visual thinking project problems. So uh, so we have skill problem and visual thinking problem and no problem with the data. We, we have problem we have data actually so i want to see more global skill shares i mm-hmm. hope because this is already happening but more openness is really very good when you're working with the data because it's good you go platforms you ask for help mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe more cross-border projects because sometimes i want to work with the greece guys and because kind of corruptions they're related with turkey or offshore project mm. it will be amazing if you can work with cross-border project this is really something sure. will be amazing yeah. um yeah. my last word can be that maybe the data visualization designers need to think about how their work appears on mobile devices because sometimes even in the globally when i check some visualization it's really not uh, fit on the mobiles mm. so this mm-hmm. is really because we read the news on mobile mostly so it will be really amazing ah. so i hope to see mobile uh, com- compatible data visualization following years this is i can say maybe uh-huh. yeah that's great perfect yeah <laughs> Well, thank you very much for for sharing with us uh, what is happening in your country and in your city. That's that's uh, fascinating and, and useful. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks, Pinar. Thanks, Pina. Thank you. Thank you, Maurice and Enrico Destri. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. So one other thing that happened this year is uh, we became fully crowdfunded, which is awesome. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> finally, our older listeners might remember <laughs> we used to have sponsors, which were great too. So we're yes. really grateful there. But now uh, we switched over to Patreon, which is amazing. And now it it is actually a better feeling to be fully um, sponsored by you and financed by you by the listeners. So thanks for that. That's amazing. Uh, keep the support yeah, coming. Thanks everyone. Yeah, we can still use some more. Um, <laughs> some of you might have followed like patreon had sort of a rough week this week <laughs> they, they rolled out a few like fee structure changes and yeah, yeah somehow it didn't it was a bad idea <laughs> so, and, they, <laughs> and they actually like the disadvantage especially people who would give like just one dollar two or three which are you know super yeah. valuable like donors but for those it suddenly made a huge difference in terms of costs. And yeah, so nobody was really happy about that. And luckily they um, realized their mistake, which is um, great. I think that they're capable of admitting they did something wrong and now decided to roll back. (laughs) So uh, everything is as before. And if you left uh, our, um, or if you stop being a patron for our show, you can now rejoin because the situation is the same again. Yeah, yeah and now the, the show is fully funded by you. So I think in a way we, we have some responsibility there. But also, seriously, if you can help, uh, every, I mean, every amount helps, right? And we have a few expenses here to just keep the show running. So maybe that's, that's a, that's a good point. It's a good moment to mention Destri and Florian. Uh, these are the True. people who work behind yeah. the curtains. This show cannot happen without them, right? Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. It's just, uh, 
it's uh, they, they they do amazing work and you just don't see what they do but yeah. most of what is happening i mean the reason why this 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 uh show happens and 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 when you hear it it looks pretty smooth and as high quality as we can it's thanks to these two people so maybe we should thank them thanks Destri and Florian for your support thank you <laughs> thank you yeah and it's it's really it's hours of work that go into a single episode it starts with like you know yeah. finding out who to invite invite people finding a date with them sending them all the info they need answering their questions preparing them helping them find a good microphone you know then to the recording and yeah, afterwards chasing after yeah it's so much yeah. you still need to <laughs> do in the audio file and and uh, clean up everything stitch like broken recordings together from <laughs> really bad sources often <laughs> and collect all the links the images do the social media promotion you know it, it's yeah it seems it's just a podcast episode but there's a lot of work attached to it and yeah yeah exactly so then if you in the new here if you feel like supporting us that would be really useful and any amount counts of course um, maybe that's a good time also to briefly mention the structure of the rewards that we created is a little different from what we used to have at the beginning but basically now so if you if you sign up if you become a member on patreon um, what we do is that you can you receive everyone receives a monthly preview of our guest list then if you donate a little more you'll also be able to vote on future guests so after we 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 re we release this guest list you can also vote on them right so you yep. have some voice there and then we have two final uh, levels of reward where you'll receive some gifts from us <laughs> so we don't want to spoil it but you'll receive some gifts and uh, these are kind of like um yeah i don't know how much we we want to say that but it, i saw some of the gifts and they are really nice <laughs> i don't know Morris, you want to say something about the gifts nah, it's a surprise why would i spoil the surprise right? but yeah. they're pretty awesome yeah, yeah so. exactly pretty awesome yeah yeah and if you signed up already you are going to receive the gift don't worry it's going to take a little bit of time but you receive it <laughs> yeah and so Thanks so much for listening, for uh, supporting us. And now we continue with our little trip around the world. Enjoy. And our next stop takes us to Burkina Faso. And we have Justin Yarga on the show. Hi, Justin. Hi, Justin. Hi. Hi. Good to have you on. H how are you doing? I'm fine. And you? Very good. Very good. Very good. Okay. So, Justin, can you tell us a bit about you? Like, who are you? What are you doing? Where are you located? And, uh, yeah, how's your, what do you do with data and data visualization? Okay. I'm Justin uh, from Burkina Faso, a West African country. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, here it's a French speaking country. So I'm trying to make myself uh, clear in English, but oh, not. Uh, <laughs> it's very good. We can yeah. hear you very clearly. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm living in the capital uh, called uh, Ouagadougou mm -hmm. and I'm a data journalist uh, working as a freelance. I'm also uh, the co-founder of a civic tech organization called Open Burkina. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's say that in this organization, we are uh, implementing uh, many projects based on the use of open data. 
for example, uh, we are using Parliament data to monitor MPs' activities. Mm -hmm. And also we are using data to help uh, visualize power cuts in the capital. Mm -hmm. Power cut, uh, you know, there are many problems about energy here. So uh, we are using data to help citizens monitor uh, and visualize the power cut in the capital. Mm -hmm. This is uh, something I can say about my organization, which is uh, uh, mainly uh, working on uh, open data. And I'm working there as a journalist, so a data journalist for all our projects. That's great. So in general, what can you say, what would you say, how is the data visualization seen like in Burkina Faso and maybe neighboring countries? Um, uh, how much is going on and which fields are most active? Is it more corporate or more data journalistically driven? Are there many freelancers or is everybody employed? Tell us a bit about what's happening. Okay. So the first thing uh, my say is that uh, we are still uh, at the beginning, but uh, now uh, more people are getting interested uh, in using data for journalism or for activism. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are still fighting to get uh, the government open up the data. Uh -huh. so, It's the same struggle uh, everywhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, It's a recurring theme. <laughs> yeah. One thing is that, um, you know, um, the media here are not, uh, they don't have um, uh, journal journalists, uh, um, working mainly uh, on open data. So uh, the only journalists uh, who are doing uh, data journalism are freelance. So uh, they are freelance and uh, there are many other activists uh, from civil society working uh, with uh, open data. Mm -hmm. So, um, Uh, but I can also say that uh, in Burkina, we have the first country in the French-speaking part of Africa to implement an open data initiative. So uh, our government is the first government in, in this part of the continent to, mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. decide to open, to open up the data. So, That's great. Yeah. Um, slowly we are getting now data and we have a portal an open data portal mm -hmm. and right. um, it's it's not e enough but it can help to make things uh, progress so consequently most of the activities are aimed to build uh, people capacities to use the data and to train the journalists uh, how to use the data so um, and this is uh, from civil society and also from the um, Government, uh, uh, sometimes there are projects uh, 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 leaded by the government and also we have uh, uh, support from uh, the World Bank and uh, uh, other organizations uh, from other countries like France or like UK. Mm -hmm. So um, mainly uh, we are working on uh, tra training and building capacities It's, there, there is no um, not not enough production, uh, uh, so um, not enough project uh, using uh, data. Uh, at this step, we are mainly uh, 
building people capacities to to use the data and also we are fighting to get more data open so yeah yeah well that's what is interesting is that we we keep hearing from our guests that um yeah the role of open data seems to be really really important right and it seems to be the main driver behind everything else. And it's interesting to see how this is kind of like spreading across different parts of the world. Uh, lots of efforts on how to create more, more open data. So what is, what is, in your opinion, the major developments or projects that have been developed this year? This could be projects that you developed personally or that people develop in your city or country or even neighboring countries or maybe even globally. So is there anything in particular you, you want to mention? Uh, um, maybe I will mention uh, one uh, event. Uh, it's for me an event uh, happened in my country in Ouagadougou. Mm -hmm. For me, um, uh, it was uh, a conference, the Africa Open Data Conference uh, held in Ouagadougou mm -hmm. last June. Mm -hmm. And it was a three days meeting uh, of open data leaders uh, from Africa, French speaking countries. And in my opinion, mm -hmm. it was a very important step to catch up uh, with the English speaking countries. You know, mm -hmm. uh, here in the French speaking part of uh, Africa, mm -hmm. we are not in the same level. Uh, so uh, uh, this was uh, an important step for us to um, to think about uh, together what to do uh, to improve uh, um, uh, data projects uh, in this part of the continent. Mm, okay. Do mm -hmm. you mean mm -hmm. that uh, English-speaking African countries tend to be started earlier than French-speaking countries? Yes, exactly. Oh, okay, there are many yeah, projects yeah. Uh, implemented in uh, uh, French-speaking countries, and here we don't have uh, enough support, and also we don't have um, uh, many leaders, uh, and even we have leaders, they don't meet, uh, they, are, they are working uh, in the country, and there is no opportunity to meet, so this event was an opportunity to, to meet uh, together and to think about uh, the future for our um, um, mm. yeah our space. Yeah, and language is really such an important point. We yes. always think the inter the internet is global, anyways, right? <laughs> But it's language. If if you're not a native English yeah. speaker, yeah, it's there is a huge barrier. And um, yeah, you are you are right. And also, I can say. Um, Uh, uh, to add to the problem of language, uh, we also have a problem of uh, uh, internet connection. So it's not easy if you want to work uh, to work uh, with uh, people uh, around the world. And here you don't have mm. uh, a good connection. It will be a problem. So. I think the best right. the best way is to work with uh, uh, people who are very closer to you, uh, like uh, your mm -hmm. uh, neighboring country. So, um, hmm. yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, and build up this local community. And as you said, this these lo local conferences where you meet like-minded people and start to build relationships can be 
can be super valuable. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are there any uh, projects that stood out, some things that people could look at and get a better sense of what's happening? Is the Power Cuts project, for instance, is it online? Yeah, uh, is it uh, something uh, our listeners could check out? Uh, not not, not uh, online, but in few, uh, we, mm -hmm. we, we hope that at the end, at the end of uh, this month, we are going to launch the website. Great, yeah. Um, this also, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's maybe interesting to, t to tell you that... Uh, We want to work with the national agency, which provide which, which provide the energy, but they are not uh, mm -hmm. they are not ready to open the, the, the data. <laughs> so this mm -hmm. is one of the problem we face <laughs> when we uh, we begin uh, working on this project. So. Uh, But you are trying yeah. to see how. So, we do can, you uh, track it yourself now? Yeah. Do you crowdsource the data? Maybe. Yeah. We are trying to get another way to get this data without uh, working, collaborate with them. So uh, this this can explain uh, how uh, why the project uh, is still um, um, at the, the beginning and not online. Hmm. Sure, sure. But yeah. when it comes out, we will definitely share it with our listeners so they can get a sense of what's what's going on. And I can imagine it's hard to, um, yeah, get uh, <laughs> these organizations to cooperate. Sometimes is there anything you hope for for next year? What types of uh, projects would you like to see, or what types of developments are you hoping that would happen? Basically, you can make a wish for next year. <laughs> uh, yeah. What would it be? <laughs> yes. Um... Uh, first, uh, I hope uh, to see collaboration between uh, data journalists from different countries uh, and, yeah, uh, from Europe. Uh, um, so, for example, uh, uh, I'm hoping to see journalists from Europe and journalists from Africa, so journalists from my country, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. investigating on some relevant subjects, uh, such as uh, migrant or refugees phenomenon because we need mm. to we need mm. to 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 work together so that we can also become um, um, uh, to say we can also um, learn more about uh, how uh, they work so we need uh, this experience so uh, sure yeah That's that's a good wish. I wish that would happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's really both, like the international collaborations, but also building up all these local yeah, exactly. contents and the local scenes, right? And yeah. Also, I hope uh, next time, next year, we we can have a good connection to to exchange and uh, to implement our project uh, here. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll have an eye on that. And if you have something to share, let us know and uh, we can distribute it further. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, very interesting insight. And uh, yeah, hope to uh, catch up. Thank you very much, Justin. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. And from India, we have uh, Harry Stevens. Hi, Harry. Hey, how are you doing? Good, good, good. How are you? Good. Doing good. Very nice. So, Harry, can you tell us a bit, who are you, where are you located? I sort of spoiled it already. And <laughs> what are you doing? Sure. So uh, my name is Harry Stevens, like you said. I work on a data journalism team at the Hindustan Times, uh, which is a mm -hmm. national paper here in India, uh, English language paper. And uh, I do a lot of uh, 
on the data visualization side, I do a lot of web-based, browser-based uh, data visualizations, um, sort of mobile-friendly uh, for our most of our audiences on uh, phones. So we try to design for the phone. Mm-hmm. And um, we sort of do uh, data visualizations about big events in the news in India. So uh, mm-hmm. sort of anything that's big that's going on, uh, we, we try to cover that. Mm-hmm. And as people might hear from the accent, you're not a native Indian <laughs> from America, but now right. you've been working. How long have you been working at the Hindustan Times? So I've been there for about two years. And uh, uh-huh. so when I first yeah. got there, the HT, as we call it, had begun to do uh, some sort of uh, some sort of innovative things on the web, um, innovative mm-hmm. storytelling formats, more than just kind of taking blocks of print from the newspaper and putting them online. They were sort of trying to take advantage of the interactive medium of the internet. Mm-hmm. But uh, those efforts were really, really in their early stages. And um, over the last couple of years, uh, we've managed to bring on some people who are journalists, but also who can write code and who can analyze data and have a sense of design, um, particularly mm-hmm. designing for web browsers. And uh, so we're sort of trying to do a lot of experimentation with how you can do journalism uh, in an interactive medium uh, for an Indian audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, very broadly speaking, what, what would you say, how is the data visualization scene like in maybe in Delhi or in India in general, um, maybe as compared to the US or Europe or yeah, or just on its own? What are your impressions? Sure, yeah. So uh, I think it's a very, very exciting time to be doing data visualization in India mm-hmm. uh, because I think that it's several years behind uh, where the US is anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. just in terms of, I mean, I I look at most of it from a journalism perspective. And, uh, so, you know, in the U S for a long time, you've had a lot of publications doing really, really amazing stuff with data visualization online and also in their newspapers. Uh, but, but I also mostly focused on doing it online. Uh, so Mm -hmm. allowing for interactivity and things like that. Uh, and that, uh, has, been happening in India, but it's just, uh, you know, not sort of nearly at the level uh, that you see in uh, some of the U.S. and European publications. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, in that sense, you know, we we have a long way to go, but uh, it's also very exciting because a lot of our readers or our audience are for the first time seeing some of the potential of uh doing um, interactive information design on the web and uh, mm-hmm. seeing for the first time what you can do with uh, well-designed exploratory graphics and um, what some of the JavaScript libraries uh, let us do in terms of um, letting our readers kind of explore data themselves. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that it's at a very nascent stage right now, but uh, it's also like very exciting. And uh, some of the things that we've made um, have really delighted 
our readers because they are for the first time seeing them, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also have the advantage of being able to see what's already been done around the world. And uh, like a lot of people have made, you know, mistakes for us. So mm-hmm. and have learned things for us and, you know, have built things that we can sort of um, take inspiration from or you know, just kind of straight up steel. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sure. so there's, there's so much good stuff that we can learn from. So, um, that's kind of probably made it easier for us, uh, in the sense that like, there's a lot of things that we haven't had to figure out ourselves or invent ourselves because we can just kind of learn mm-hmm. from the best, uh, data visualization mm-hmm. people around the world. Yeah, that's great. But what I'm always interested in is how well it transfers. Like, were there any points where you thought a certain format would work super well based on your, I don't know, your thinking based on US experience, but then culturally it didn't quite land in India? Or were there, are there new types of visualizations maybe or formats that you now discovered, uh, being in India that you hadn't encountered in the US? Uh, yeah, I think that one of the things that I've discovered, uh, is that some of the things that are really popular with our audiences are not charts, but instead mm-hmm. are just like really well-designed information. Uh, so like mm-hmm. really well-designed searchable tables. Um, so for example, yes, yeah. there was uh, recently a new tax law passed here called the goods and services tax. And it basically like uh, took a lot of state level uh, tax codes and nationalized them. And so, uh, it, a, a lot of people were wondering like what the new tax rate was going to be on thousands and thousands of goods and services. And so that information mm-hmm. existed, uh, but it was like in sort of hidden away in government websites. And, uh, if you could access it, it was in a PDF. And so, um, uh, my colleague, German Patia just took that and put it on a web page. And made it searchable mm-hmm. and kind of used some nice icons and sort of clear iconography, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of well-designed hierarchy of information. And it was like tremendously popular. Like, uh, like mm-hmm. uh, it was getting like half of the traffic of our website for a few days. And it was so popular, in mm-hmm. fact, that people were making YouTube videos explaining how to use the tool like even though the tool itself was very uh kind of like intuitive the design of it like uh people were Mm -hmm. um like sort of getting traffic to their youtube pages by saying like you can go to this website on the hindustan times and you can search it like this um and then it was so popular that we ended up translating it into like five or six languages so uh (laughs) so so that was really like very but that's great like just providing basic information or fulfilling basic information needs i think that's a great uh, role papers can play yeah and yeah it reminds me also of some of the projects ProPublica did where they collected a lot of data about doctors or uh, local statistics and then the main achievement is really just to make this type of thing available, right? That it doesn't matter anymore if it's in a map or (laughs) a fancy chart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the government has a lot of information here, but they don't have any strong incentive to make it, uh, really easy for people to access or understand. So, um, Mm -hmm. one of the huge, uh, gaps that information designers can fill, I think is just to be able to collect that data and display it in a way that, people can easily search and understand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Overall, like, would you say, were there any major highlights or sp- specific developments this year you would like to point out looking back uh, over 2017? 
be it both personally or yeah, maybe in, in India uh, or also globally? Yeah, I think one of the big things that uh, we've been noticing is that, I mean, so like we're, we're kind of, I, I'm particularly new to this and some of the people I work with are new to this. Uh, so we're learning a lot. And one of the things that I think we've discovered uh, is that um, like how to do interactivity uh, wisely uh, hmm. because there was that article I think maybe earlier this year, uh, Gregor Eich had published something mm. and it was like that only 8% or some very small percent of the users <laughs> of the New York Times actually ever used any layer of interactivity at all in his graphics. It was like, like yeah, it was very depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like we spent all this time making perfect tool tips. And nobody ever yeah. looks at them. We should say he qualified it later a bit yeah, more and yeah. said, like, it was in, in this specific graphic and it was this drop down that was maybe, you know, not super prominent. So, right, right. Know, and he also made Maybe a things good point don't look too. quite as bad, but it's a valid, <laughs> uh, interesting point. Yeah. And he also made the point, I mean, in that later article that, uh, you know, even though a lot, like, like the majority of your readers may not use the interactivity, mm. that the ones who do tend to love it, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that's an important part of the job too. But uh, so, one of the things that we really try to consider is like to show as much of the data as possible uh, without having to rely on interactivity. And it's sort of like counterintuitive mm -hmm. when you first start. I mean, I, I know that like you have <laughs> you've been doing uh, data visualization for a very, very long time. So this is probably like um, sort of more or less obvious to you. But for us, like when you start to learn some of these tools, you're like, wow, cool. Uh, I can make a, a tooltip pop up or I can zoom in or, or whatever. Uh, and then, and then you realize that, uh, that, uh, you, sh you should not do it unless it's absolutely necessary, right. Or, or unless there's some sort mm -hmm. of uh, thing that you really need to allow your readers to explore, but that otherwise you need to be able to show as much as possible, uh, without having to rely on yeah. the interactivity. And that also, um, and I think this is really particular for web browsers is that, um, sort of everything in a web browser is interactive in the sense that scrolling is uh, an interactive event. Uh, so like even when someone's just reading an article, they're scrolling. So that that mm. is sort of a natural, sorry, there's a train in the background. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can you hear that? Uh, yeah, some nice local ambience. I like <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, right next to a train station. But uh, anyway, um, so that that interactivity that people sort of experience on every single website, regardless of whether they're just reading a story or whatever, uh, is that you can take advantage of the fact that people are very, very used to that, even if they're not used to mm -hmm. like searching for a tooltip or using a drop down menu that they might be um, very, very comfortable with scrolling. And so that you can sort of put some of your animations or interactivity of your, uh, of your graphic or your data visualization, uh, uh, you can make it sort of dependent upon the scroll. So there's that whole scrolly telling thing that's been happening. And um, I mean, you kind of see it everywhere. Uh, the pudding, I think uh, they like released a, that scroll llama library recently. And mm. um, there's that waypoints library. So we've really been experimenting with that a lot too. It's like, you know, how can we, uh, how can we like uh, make dynamic graphics that d don't depend on anything other than, um, just expecting our users to scroll. And I think that that's something that's kind of um, maybe been a trend this year is like uh, 
maybe mm-hmm. like sort of like, yes, we can do interesting things with, with uh, zooming and, and clicking and, and hovering and tapping and all that. But that um, really like scrolling is a, is like a really um, useful sort of uh, interactive event. Yeah, and, and I think we can learn a lot from, yeah, uh, uh, as you say, in India or in Asia uh, in general, people are much more mobile-centric, and I think we can learn a lot there in terms of simplicity and, and focus um, yeah. if yeah if, if you design for these types of audiences more. Yeah, yeah it's a huge challenge. I mean, um, you know, designing for such a small screen. Um, and, like, mm-hmm. so often we'll have an idea that, uh, like, we get really excited about, And then uh, we realize that like the idea that we have in our head or that we've sketched out is only going to work <laughs> on a on a desktop, and just has no right. chance of working on a phone, and you know sort of end up having to scrap the whole thing. Um, and in a way, it's like it kind of stinks, uh, <laughs> but then it also like that sort of design constraint. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to put a positive spin on it, but like. Maybe having that design constraint sort of improves uh, your work or like forces you to really come to the essence of what you're trying to show. Yeah. yeah. Brings us to the last question. What, what do you hope for next year? Probably bigger phones. <laughs> <laughs> But what else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Or just people, you know, stop using the phones, only see data visualizations <laughs> on a computer. Uh, sit down for once <laughs> on your normal desktop PC. Yeah. Uh, Any hopes? Uh, well, one of the things that we're trying to get better at, and just at the Hindustan Times, uh, but I think that this would be good to see um, in India in general, in the at least in the news business, is uh, being able to do um, good web-based graphics uh, in response to breaking news stories which we haven't really been able mm-hmm. to do. I mean, most of what we do kind of takes like, you know, a week or two. And so we've been really successful at doing it with events that we know are going to happen. Uh, so for example, mm-hmm. elections, like we have some big elections coming up and we, we know when the election counting day is going to be so we can plan in advance or uh, sports seasons and things like that. Um, or we can do like long-term investigations that aren't dependent upon the news cycle. But uh, responding to unforeseen events is uh, something that's really challenging. And uh, only a few newspaper graphics teams, I think, have been able to do it successfully. I mean, you see like the New York Times Mm -hmm. can do, um, you know, if if there's like a terrorist attack and they can show, you know, how it happened step by step and doing really sort of excellent visual journalism on the in response to breaking news. Um, and I yeah. haven't seen it really happen in India yet, but that is something that we're going to be sort of trying to do in the year to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe with like better tools coming uh, around every time and uh, better libraries, it it gets easier to do something on the fly. That is great. Yeah, and just and you know trying to do things where uh, you don't need to know how to code. I mean that that I think mm-hmm. so. Building tools for people to be able to make um, sort of excellent or to do excellent visual storytelling without having to know how to code. Because uh, yep. what seems to be very clear is that like, there's only a few people out there, like a small, a relatively small percentage of the population um, is, is going to be willing to blindly manipulate symbols, I think as Brett Victor said. So uh, just trying <laughs> to figure out how to, to make it so that people can do kind of excellent visual storytelling without having to write any code. I think that would, that's something to be looking forward to. Um, 
in the future. Sounds good to me. I can underwrite that too. (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on the show and yeah, reporting a bit from India and uh, I wish you a great next year. Thanks very much. Yeah, you too. Maybe we can catch up soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. (laughs) Bye-bye. All right. Take care. And our next guest is Christina Parjani from Tbilisi in Georgia. Hey, Christina, how are you? Hello, I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Very happy to have you on the show. So can you briefly introduce yourself? Tell us uh, who you are, where you are located, and um, yeah, what's your background? What's your main uh, activities? Yeah, a little bit of a background. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having us on your show. Uh, my name is Christina Pargiani. Uh, from Tbilisi, Georgia, uh, and I'm a communications coordinator and project coordinator at Forset. Uh, Forset is newly established um, civic tech organization. We are specializing in um, effective communication about social imp- important issues using data, technology, and design. Um, majority of our team have been working together for five years in uh, other organization, Jumpstart Georgia, but six months ago, we all decided to create our own uh, organization. So we have almost the same background. Uh, for those five years, we created about four, 400 infographics, 20 GIFs, mm-hmm. 8 animations, 25 interactive visualizations, <laughs> uh, 7 data portals, and 5 online tools. So <laughs> wow. this tells you what we mainly do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have four main directions uh, our projects are um, concentrated to. The first one is storytelling. As I already mentioned, we are creating some um, interactive stories, multimedia stories, infographics, GIFs, animations, and so on. Also, we are creating open source tools, uh, like um, one of our tools is about political party finances. Um, another is about Georgian budget. Uh, also, we are trying to um, build community around data uh, in Georgia, and uh, for this we are creating some meetups, events, and also we try to educate other people like journalists, CSO mm. representatives, also activists, and this is uh, what we uh, try to do. Um, uh, so uh, this is what we make. Yeah, lots of activities. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of activities. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sounds like enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you say is the, so the data visualization scene in your area, um, in your city or, or country or even neighboring countries? What's, what's going on? Um, so in Georgia, we are the only organization who is working on data with only. Uh, but we see that this issue is rising. A lot of uh, media organizations, CSOs, also businesses are interested in communicating their data more effectively, more engageable way. So we are helping them out. But um, the scene is that um, those people try to do better job, but... Uh, we are the only civic tech organization who works on only on uh, this direction. We are helping uh, mainly CSOs to uh, make their reports, 30-page reports, more uh, effective and 
to communicate those reports more effective and help them um, to raise awareness regarding the topics they are working on. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is landscape in Georgia, but the good issue is that a lot of people are interested in DataWiz and we saw it during our events. We have two main events. One mm. of them is uh, DataFest, uh, which is international event. Um, we had 400 mm. guests this year, uh, 200 of nice. them we are not from Georgia, yeah. And for Georgian audience, we have WISHACK. This is um, uh, DataWiz Hackathon, annually hackathon, and huh. mainly it's for Georgian audience. And we see that people are getting more and more interested in events and in activities like this. Mm-hmm. That's great. Oh, yeah. And you organized the DataFest, you said? Yes, yeah. And, and this is happening every year or, or what? Um, this will be annual event. This uh, okay. DataFest yeah. 2017 was the first time in Georgia, uh, the first uh-huh. event, uh, and we already started working on uh, next event for <laughs> next year. So we hope to yeah. uh, raise awareness regarding the data with issues in uh-huh. Georgia and mm-hmm. in um, all region because we have fellows from uh, Central Asia and um, also Plexi countries from our region and we see that uh, not only in Georgia but people in our region are very interested in um, data with but there are no uh, no much organ many organizations who work on these directions and mm. we think that we can help them out to um, uh, to help them out uh, with uh, those fellowships and those fellows will go back to their countries and they will start doing their own projects and helping journalists there and activists mm-hmm no, I, I totally agree. These types of events can, in the long run, play a huge role in just getting people started and excited about uh, the field. So this episode is also a bit of a year review episode for us. So if you look back uh, over the year 2017, were there any big trends or developments or notable projects that um, stood out to you, be it personal projects or in your region or, or globally? Um, the biggest projects for us, we are DataFest and WISOC because um, in Georgia we never had events like this mm. and we tried to engage as much people as it was possible and I think we did a really good job because we had, I think, good communications campaign. Mm. Uh, so people were interested in and uh, about from f- 40 countries, people bought uh, tickets and they visited Georgia for this data fest. So I think this was one of the main uh, activities in Georgia, um, not only for our organization, but for organizations who are interested in data. Also for ourselves, I think for Forset, it was um interesting year because we uh, we are established only six months ago and the biggest project we had except this data fest was um, uh, visualizing data for census um, conducted in Georgia. This was the first time um, uh, then 
Georgian government um, just had decided to uh, held census and we uh, created visualizations for UNFPA, animations, uh, also infographics, facts um, regarding uh, popul about population in Georgia. Uh, and I think this was one of the projects which raised our knowledge and our uh, vision um, a lot. So I think those projects were info important for uh, seeing 2017. Mm -hmm. it, it sure sounds like so. I'm, I'm excited to hear that so much is going on yeah. and you have so much drive there. That's fantastic. So looking into the next year, what what are you hoping for? Um, what types of things would you like to happen? You can make a wish basically for the next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, we want next year to do more experiments, uh, try new things, um, and there are several um, directions we are interested in. Uh, we want to work on more our own products, the things which are interesting for our team and be less concentrated on um, business activities or some commercial work. Mm -hmm. uh, also, we think that um, uh, VR and AI um, projects are getting uh, really big and we want to experiment into this direction and try something new. Uh, so those are the plans. <laughs> we have, Sounds and exciting. we also yeah. are working. Yeah, we are working on uh, several open source tools. Uh, we want to make uh, Georgian data, for example, budget data, more accessible to people and mm -hmm. more engageable. Because we think that only putting information on web pages it's not enough. People should be interested uh, with design, with some news technology. Uh, things to come and see and make stories about the data you put. So mm -hmm. we want to work on these directions mainly. Cool. Sounds great. Mm -hmm. Keep us posted. We're excited to see so much stuff yes. happening. <laughs> this is <Yeah>. great. And <laughs> yes. we'll, of course, we'll put links in the in the blog post to all of your stuff. So, uh, dear listeners, you can check out all the yeah. great stuff coming from Georgia this year. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on your show. And Happy New yeah. Year. <laughs> yeah, same to you. Happy New Year. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Christina. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. So that was our trip around the world. What do you think, Enrico? Yeah, we've been in to, to so many places. It's really exciting. Yeah. I'm so happy that we managed to do it again. <laughs> no Latin America, though. No South America. Yeah. No ah, Central bummer. America. That's a bit of a pity. Yeah. Next year, it we is. promise. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe we'll have more uh, during the next year. Uh, hopefully. Right? Yeah. 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 Hopefully. Absolutely. Antarctica, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it was interesting. Like everybody had really like interesting different perspective. It's exciting to see so much different and you know so much uh, stuff uh, being started around the world. And and there yeah. were really also a few recurring themes. I think like for everybody, yeah. local open data is like a huge issue. Open, I think because it's also virtually so, everyone, so relevant, right? Yeah, exactly. Virtually everyone mentioned open data. It seems to be like the yeah. main driver behind anything, yeah. right? It's just yeah. like yeah. 
that's where you start. <laughs> yeah, and right? it's also where like visualizing data can have such a huge value, right? It's like yeah, you know, if you yeah. can transform local politics, you know, or like raise awareness for important issues or make yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, government more transparent and so exactly. on. Exactly. That's, that's always great. Yeah. And then people also see what it's good for and why it helps. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah I was surprised yeah. to see, I think together with open data, people mention government initiatives very often. Right. So mm -hmm. it seems to be like government needs to move the first step in order to <laughs> make this happen. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. it's really important. There, I mean, there there might also be another like uh, bias in in terms of maybe we selected a lot of guests that came yeah. more from <laughs> data journalistic <laughs> NGO type angle. Sure. Yeah, so sure. it would be interesting to yeah also see a bit um, yeah how representative this is. Uh, but I, I I I do agree. It's a it's a big driver and and just. I think it's great if yeah. this type of thing happens, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think in general people want to good to do good with with data visualization, mm -hmm. right? So you mm -hmm. hear people that want to do like projects related to social justice, justice, healthcare, civic tech, right? Most people start with the idea, oh, I want to I want to use data and create mm. visualizations to improve something in the world, right? Again, I don't know if yeah. it's an artifact of our sample, but it's a <laughs> recurring theme, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting. The other thing yeah. that really kept uh, being mentioned is the the importance of like um localized content so uh, that often um like yes. libraries or software gets much more adopted once there is a French, a Spanish, a Chinese version of these things. And yeah, to us, it always seems so clear that, well, if everything's English, everything's fine, you know, yeah, but exactly. th there is a huge barrier there. And yeah. I think this, this could actually be a really low hanging fruit in like to just translate um, documentation of existing tools and make like, mm -hmm. or maybe make a screencast, you know, half an hour, explain how a tool works in, yeah. in a local language that, uh, that seems to be such a huge, um, or there could be huge value in that. I, I, I just realized that now talking to the people. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think mm -hmm. another thing is also training. Quite a few people mentioned that the need to train other people locally, right? Yeah. I think there is a very interesting space there for, yeah, few future developments. Sure, yeah. but I mean, training doesn't scale all that well, right? And so, yeah. let's say if you produce Hindi content, you know, you suddenly have <laughs> hundreds of millions of potential yeah. like yeah. users uh, who could benefit from it. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's super interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. So I'm, yeah. I'm always happy to hear from people all around the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's so much happening, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah it's really cool. Yeah, and I'm we really are happy in that. our in our US Euro bubble, you know. Exactly, no that's denying. what I was exactly so about to say. Any, right? any small glimpse outside that is is already super interesting. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So cool. Well, Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for supporting us throughout the year. Send us your thoughts. Maybe you have also some thoughts about how 2017 went or what yes. you wish for for 2018. Keep, yeah. keep sending us stuff. Uh, yeah. We have a few really cool episodes planned for next year already. We have a few <laughs> already recorded that we can yeah, wait we to get Yeah, we have a backlog. <laughs> yeah, and they're really good. So It's a good feeling, um, yeah. Yeah, the show will go on. <laughs> the show will no go on. That. Yeah, <laughs> as far as we can tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
yeah, I think from cool. our side, we'll, we'll keep doing what we are doing and trying to do our best, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think we are all ready to go on vacation by now. Yeah, and I'm yeah. good. <laughs> See you on the other side. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Happy 2018. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, bye-bye. Hey folks, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, a few last notes. This show is now completely crowdfunded. So you can support us by going on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash data stories. And if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. And here's also some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We're, of course, on Twitter at twitter.com slash data stories. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash data stories podcast, all in one word. And we also have a Slack channel uh, where you can chat with us directly. And to sign up, you can go to our homepage, datastory.es, and there is a button at the bottom of the page. And we also have an email newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox and be notified whenever we publish an episode, you can go to our own page, datastory.es, and look for the link you find at the bottom in the footer. So one last thing we want to tell you is that we love to get in touch with our listeners, especially if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or amazing people you want us to invite or even projects you want us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And don't hesitate to get in touch with us. It's always a great thing for to hear from you. So see you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories.